0: Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Let's go together in the Word this morning. And uh, let's go together to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 1. Second Peter chapter number one is where we're going to head. I love this passage of scripture, and it seems like uh, just continually come across this passage. Second Peter chapter one is such a great, great passage. It, it is in uh, chapter one where he talks about the fact we've been given very great. And precious promises that remind us of how God works and um, just orchestrates our lives and then I want you to look down if you will into beginning in verse number 12 2 Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 12 to verse 13 with all that in mind he says therefore I will always remind you about these things even though you already know them. Have you ever been in a conversation and you said, I know? <laughs> Usually it's when somebody's telling you something you don't want to hear. As a kid, your parents say, I know. And then when you're not a kid and you get married and your spouse is telling you something, I know, I know. Peter says this, even though you already know these things and you are already standing firm, he said, I'm not telling you because you're not doing it. He says, I'm telling you so you'll be encouraged in your faith. He says, even though you know them and are standing firm in the truth that you have been taught, notice what he says, it's only right. That I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. Wow. Lord, let us be continually reminded of your faithfulness. Let us be continually reminded of who you are. You know, friends, there is nothing greater. And nothing will impact your life for all eternity like the gift and I want to underscore that word like the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord let me let me just ask for a moment how many of y'all have been saved for one year anybody in the room you've been saved for one year okay how about uh, five years anybody in the room you've been saved for five years lift your hand How about 10 years? You've been saved for 10 years. How about 15 years? Y'all have been around a while. (laughs) How about 20 years? You've been saved for at least 20 years. Yeah, 25 years. Yeah, 30 years. 40 years. Wow, 50 years. You've been saved for at least 60 years. Now now we're starting, there's a, yeah, we're starting to show age now. Anybody in the room, you've been saved for 70 years? Yeah. How about 80 years? Wow. I know y'all aren't 90, so I can't go there. (laughs) What a wonderful thing! This is not something that just started. This is something we've been walking on. And that's the idea that Peter has when he says, I want to remind you about these things. And friends, I want to encourage you, you can get over a lot of things in life, but I pray you'll never get over what Jesus Christ has done the day he saved you, the day he wrote your name down in the Lamb's book of life, the day you came into salvation. The truth is we know this. Sin separates separates us from God we understand that God is in heaven, and without a Savior, there is absolutely underscore. In fact, would you just say absolutely? absolutely? There is absolutely no hope of heaven without Jesus. The Gospels is a picture of God's love, it's a picture of God's grace to us, knowing that we are sinners and we are headed to an eternity separated from God. God in his wonderful love for us, here's the good news, he made a way of escape. If you've ever wondered, how could a loving God send someone to an eternity in hell? I will tell you this today, he has done everything. And there's importance on that word everything. He has done everything everything that can be done to save you and I from hell, and it's through Jesus Christ, His Son. That's the good news. God sent someone to save us from our sins, and therefore to give you and I the hope of eternity in heaven. It was God's plan, and that plan is a word this morning I want to talk about for a little bit, God's plan is called atonement. Would you say that with me? Atonement. Atonement, that's God's plan. You see, in the first book of the Bible, God began to lay out his plan to atone and to pay for man's sin. You see, on on one hand, God gave us free will. Y'all ever said, I'll do what I want to do? And you can't stop me? You go hide and watch? There's free will, but one of the things we also learn after we said you go hide and watch is that freedom of choice can sometimes come at a very high cost. And you and I have been given free will spiritually. Now, freedom of choice too comes with a high cost. It's the word atonement. In other words, man has a freedom of choice. But his choice to do wrong and to disobey God brings a level of consequences. I mean, you know, that's a word we don't usually like. It brings consequences that are all their own. Now, we go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 2. God told Adam uh, that the day that they would sin, he said, it's a day you will surely die. But even with that knowledge and that understanding, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They sinned, and when they did, the Bible says both of their eyes were opened. They had been walking in regular communion with God in the garden. But this time, they're hiding. I mean, you know, when we've done wrong, we hide it. You ask a little child, have you been in the cookie jar? And with both hands behind their back, they say, hmm, even though there's crumbs all over the face. (laughs) When we do something, we try to hide it. And that's what they were doing. And the Bible says when their eyes were open, they, they understood that they were naked and they were trying to cover their nakedness. And the Bible says they took fig leaves, sewed them together, which is a real frail thing. Man's way of trying to cover for his sin has always been a real frail thing. It's a cheap thing. Why? Because it's man made. Man made. Genesis 3 and 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together. Notice this, and they made coverings for themselves. They tried to cover their tracks. It's a human trait. I will tell you that sin is very serious. Not because, well, we say, well, you just do bad things. Sin is serious because sin is against God. Unequivocally, sin is against God. You see, society today is a place where, when we try to cover our tracks, we try to make an excuse, and we think, well, I'll just cover my own tracks, and then everything will be okay. But you see, we live in a land of justice. And I would tell you, even though in our day, our justice system is being challenged, We still live in a land of justice, and what that means is if you're guilty, there's a price to pay for the guilt. And if mankind, and we wonder where, where, does, where does man come up with this idea of paying for your penalty? It's the idea of atonement. And it's not man-made. It came from God in the beginning. We get our sense of atonement from God himself. The truth is when some bad thing happens, we begin to say somebody's got to pay for that. You know, for the last um, several weeks now, I think, uh, the young lady Gabby who was murdered, it's, it's on, uh, you know, the news every single day and, and people are saying somebody's got to pay for that crime. Just like man can't let man off when there is a crime and a sin, God, hear me this morning, God does not let us off. God doesn't let us off for good behavior. God doesn't let us off because we've changed our mind. So when we look at the Bible, we've got to say, well, what does God do? We can easily look at Adam and Eve. What did God do with their sin? God said this from this day forward, life on earth is going to be different because of your actions. Adam, you are the one taking care of the garden. He said, now the ground will not be as fertile. He said to Eve, childbearing will be difficult. And all the women said, amen to that. My daughter-in-law has a very good understanding of that passage of Scripture right now. He said human relationships are going to be complicated because of pride and selfishness and ego. Essentially what God was saying was everything that has been, it's all going to be changed from now on. Secondly, God said because of your sinfulness, because you're guilty, he says you're going to die. He says no longer will you continue to live forever in these perfect bodies I made for you. Don't forget they were made by God You're not going to live forever In the perfect bodies that I gave you And you're not going to live forever In this perfect place of paradise The price for rebellion is high God told them The price for sin is death And eternal separation for me In a place of utter torment Remorse and regret But the end of at the end of God's explanation, he did something, Paul and I were, were talking about this, this the other day. God did something that I, I can't even imagine how uh, Adam and Eve began to try to process what was getting ready to happen. The Bible says then Genesis 3 and 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. A lot of times we skip right over this part of the verse and we miss. Actually, this is not uh, just something to glaze over because it's in this we see God's first step in atoning for man's sin. You see, he provided sinners as an alternate to atone for their sins you you can see god's dilemma because he is a holy god he can't just overlook or suspend our sin sentence but at the same time god loves this creation he loves adam and eve and, and uh, carries down in our time john three sixteen. he loves the whole world because He loves us, we matter to Him. We find that sin led Adam and Eve to a condition of lostness. But the good news is their lostness led God to do something about it. The thought of Adam and Eve and their children having to atone for their own sins forever in a place called hell. moved God to take upon himself. Here's here's where it changes. Remember we talked about they created coverings for themselves. Now we find God is taking upon himself the responsibility of providing another way for sin to be paid for. Here's what he does. God takes an animal, and I wasn't there, so I'll be honest with you. I'm going to create the scenario. We're going to take the word, what we know the word says, and I'm going to create the scenario. God, the, the, the scripture says God made skin to cover them. What kind of skin? Animal skins to cover them. It wasn't skin like you have on your hand, but there was a covering that he made for them. How many of you know you don't get skin unless something dies? Now... We've got to get the picture here. There's been no death thus far in the garden. There there's been no you know, you and I are used to death. We we drive down the road and we see a deer that's been hit. We drive down the road and a raccoon's been hit and we drive down the road and one impossums run out and you boop 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 boop. Yeah. And you just keep driving down the road, and you're just like, you know, you're talking on the phone, you're drinking your Coke, and you're driving at the same time. And, and you boom, 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 and you just go right on like it didn't even happen. Because you're kind of used to it. We're kind of conditioned. Them jokers run out in front of you all the time. But they've never experienced this in the garden. And I kind of picture in my mind's eye that God right in front of them kills the animal. Skins the animal. Imagine the, the movement in the animal they had never seen. Imagine the cry that must have come from the animal as God took its life. It really creates a picture because you, wow. God help me and give me words. We want everything without hearing the animal cry. We'd rather God go around the corner and come back with a skin. And say, y'all put this on, everything's going to be okay. That's not how God does it. Jesus hung right out in the middle. God skinned the animal, and he said, in order for your sinfulness to be covered, in order for your wrongdoing to be atoned for, listen to this, an innocent, there's a key word right there, an innocent third party is going to have to absorb the penalty for what was rightfully yours. Would you say something? Say, say it, was it was mine. It was mine. You know, we spend a lot of our lives saying it was their fault. In fact, if you go back in Genesis, it's so great to watch human nature arise so quickly. Adam and Eve are caught, if you will. They've sinned and, and they're caught. And the first thing Adam says, it's the woman. It's the woman you gave me. She did it. We're always blaming somebody else aren't we It's an innocent third party That absorbs the penalty that was Rightfully ours um, Titus if you'll put up there, I want to give you a definition of something and it's very important You catch this Substitutionary atonement is an arrangement Foe <laughs> <laughs> Not sure that was in the plan but it's there An arrangement foe <laughs> 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 I wish you guys could experience this sometimes <laughs> it's an arrangement for you, man you are quick dude you made some atonement for me <laughs> an arrangement for an innocent third party to stand in a place of the guilty party and to take the penalty for their sin substitutionary atonement it's this act that restores and reconciles the relationship between god and man and i have to tell you this you will never get the concept of christianity until you understand the concept of substitutionary atonement it is what separates Christianity from all other world religions there's a zillion world religions out there and they'll say you do this enough you do that enough you do these works and you'll get it you do those works and the Bible says you can't do anything to get it I'm gonna do it all all you've got to do is just receive it you see Substitutional atonement, it satisfies justice, and yet at the same time it allows the guilty party, these are really important words, it allows the guilty party to go free. Throughout the Bible, there is example after example of this entire concept of atonement because God went to great lengths to reveal His incredible plan to us. And, and uh, if time will allow us, we're going to walk through the Scripture here and we're going to see how throughout it. And the truth is, we don't have time in this kind of gathering even to cover all of them, the example after example that we see of substitutionary atonement. But when we go back to the Passover lamb, we go back to the book of Exodus, God's people, the Israelites, they had become a faithless people. They were sinning on a continual basis. In fact, it was becoming a normal way of life for them, kind of like it is in America today. And as a result, God turned Israel over to be captive in the hands of the egyptians and while they are there god begins to say listen i'm going to send some plagues on the egyptians and the whole point is the egyptians are going to turn and they're going to release you in due time and while they were there he announces he's sending the plague upon the egyptians and it was the plague of the first born what that meant was the bible says there was a death angel who would go through the camp they were going to go through egypt on a certain night and the bible says that the life of every firstborn male i'm glad i was the last boy in the family the firstborn male in every household the death angel is going to take his life then god adds one caveat He says, I'm going to provide a way to break the plague of death on your family. He says, if you'll go out and you'll find a male lamb and unblemished, God doesn't want just anything. God is not looking for our cheap and our leftovers. God says, I want you to find an unblemished male lamb. I want you to kill it, and I want you to sprinkle its blood on the doorframe of our homes. And I, he said, I will tell God is in control of it all, isn't he? He says, I will tell the death angel to pass over your house and spare your sons. Some people ignored the command. Many did not take the steps, they didn't follow the direction, some did. Some went out into their herd, located an unblemished lamb. Those households sprinkled the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and they were spared judgment. Have you ever thought, uh, I'm just being real with you for a minute, have you ever thought how terrible that was to kill all those animals? I'm, I'm kind of a softy, you know pastor jeremy he likes to go hunting i never grew up hunting you know i i'm the kind of guy i could do it if if we're starving but otherwise two things are going to happen i'm going to shoot bambi and my wife is going to shoot me as a result and number two is i'm going to shoot bambi and then i'm going to feel bad and i'm going to pray lord resurrect bambi because i feel bad today I've often thought when I read these stories, how terrible mean is the lamb? You're killing, you say, that's horrendous that God would do that. It's horrendous that God would even make, why would God be so mean? Actually, it was grace all the way back there because he said it's either the lamb or it's you. Somebody's got to pay. We see it in the Levitical system, in the book of Leviticus. It describes a sacrificial system that was to take place throughout the Exodus when God's people left the hands of Pharaoh and they were headed together towards the promised land. The Bible teaches us that when a person would sin, An animal would be sacrificed in their place. It was an innocent lamb. Again, I want to underscore that word innocent. It was an innocent lamb that would be slain. And only after the death of the lamb would the priest come to the guilty sinner and give assurance that his sin was paid for. So what we find, we talked about this a little bit last Wednesday night in the Bible study, how many tens of thousands and even in the hundreds of thousands of innocent animals were being slain in every town, every village. People people knew, and you've got to, this is such a, a concept, people knew when they walked away from that dying animal that that dying animal was dying on their behalf. It was taking the penalty for them. The Hebrew word for atone means to cover. The Old Testament sacrifices could not actually remove sin. They could only cover them. And if you remember, we go back to Genesis And God didn't say, I'm just going to do away with what's happened. He said, I'm going to cover you. He continues that process on the Day of Atonement. The people would confess their sin as a nation. The high priest would go in the Holy of Holies and make an atonement for them. Leviticus chapter 16 talks about Aaron. Aaron was the great high priest. He was the one that would go in on behalf of... Of the people, and he would spend literally hours preparing himself to go into the presence of God. And on this Day of Atonement, this this concept always just blew my mind. On that Day of Atonement, there were two goats that they would take, and and one goat would be uh, put upon the it was sacrificed upon the altar for the sins of the people. The next goat, after the first goat had been uh, slain on the altar, he would take, the high priest would take his hands and put it on the head of the other goat. And then one of the men would carry the goat 12 miles outside of the camp where the people uh, lived. And he would release it. And it was symbolic. It was the, you've heard the phrase, the scapegoat. It was the picture of God carrying their transgressions. Not only was he forgiving them when the first goat, he's removing now their transgressions away from them as far as the east is from the west we hear so far. Have I removed your transgressions from you? Actually what God is doing in all these steps is a foreshadow of what is yet to come We see it in the ministry of the prophets We push forward a couple hundred years 800 years before the birth of Christ A prophet by the name of Isaiah Begins to declare what's going to happen in the future Isaiah 53 and verse 5 tells us He was pierced for our transgressions He was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds we're healed you and i read that today and we immediately go that's jesus but when he spoke those words it was 800 years before jesus had even been born they were used to an animal dying for them and now the prophet is prophesying there's going to be one it's going to be a man and he's going to be pierced for your transgression he's going to be crushed for your iniquities and the chastisement that will bring you peace will be upon him we see it in the ministry of john the baptist we come into the new testament era John the Baptist is preaching, he's teaching in the desert, and one day Jesus walks up to him and John says, John 1 and 29, he says these words, look, here's some key words, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John says, this is what we've been talking about. This is what we've been looking forward to. This is the sacrificial system that God, he's making a new covenant with you. We see it on the cross. When Jesus Christ started his earthly ministry at the age of 30 years of age, he said in Mark 10 and 45, he said, For even the Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. As a ransom for many. John 10 and 15. Jesus said these words. I laid down my life. For my sheep. And after living a sinless life. He was betrayed. We know he was arrested. He was falsely convicted. He was beaten. He was battered. Imagine with me for a moment. Back into the Old Testament time. When when the father would go out to the pen and he would get the unblemished lamb imagine what his children must have thought as he was beginning to sacrifice now, You know there's uh, as kids there, there are animals and we name them Even if it's a cow it doesn't matter We name them in fact our neighbors across the street a few years back had a goat. It wasn't our goat. My wife named it It was genevieve Genevieve the goat lived across the street from our house. (laughs) The point is this, imagine uh, the shock and the horror that must have come to that child as they watched their father sacrifice that lamb. But even greater than that, imagine with me for a moment, if you will, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there in the beginning. So I imagine on the day when mankind walked through the streets of Jerusalem, and Jesus was hanging on a cross, all of heaven is sitting on the edge of the precipice of heaven, looking and watching the sun die. I'll be honest with you, I I considered, you know, we've talked about all this and I considered today taking some pictures from, many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ, I considered putting them on the screen, but I'll be honest with you, sometimes they're so, they're, they're hard for some personalities just to be able to handle. Let me tell you, it was terrible what Christ went through. It was terrible what Christ went through. Jesus upon the cross uttered these words in John 19 and verse 30. He said, This, it is finished. Hmm. What he's saying that day on the cross, the work of atonement, it's all over. No more will man year, hold, oh, dear Lord Jesus. You see, in that that Old Testament time, Lord, I just don't have enough time and enough words. Back in that time, every year they had to go back in. Jesus said, I'm doing it once and for all. Have you ever been tempted once you were forgiven to go back and say, Lord, I just want you to know how sorry I am. Listen, you're no more forgiven. You were forgiven in the beginning. He said, it's done. It's done. The truth is the price seems too high. Guilty sinners don't deserve a substitute like God provided. In fairness, we ought to atone for our own selves. When we break a civil law, we pay the fine. When we break a spiritual law, it seems like we should pay the fine we've broken the commandments Romans says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard the problem is there's only one way to pay for our sin one way see this is what distinguishes as well Christianity from all other world religions they say well if you do enough things you can work your way back out of them there is only one way out of sin's penalty and it's the word death Romans again says for the wages of sin is death the Bible loved the world excuse me the Bible says God loved the world so much he decided to send a substitute that substitutionary atonement he stood in your place, he stood in your place to take your punishment, to take the penalty that really you and I should have to pay. Um, I want to do something um. <laughs> Y'all are getting nervous right now. (laughs) Melissa Buckler, can I borrow you? (laughs) Thank you. It's better to ask forgiveness than permission sometimes. You know, the truth is, Melissa Buckler, um, if you know Melissa, Melissa Buckler is probably one of the kindest, soft-hearted people you'll ever meet. She is... She is a gift from God to all of us and to Dave. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. There's sometimes when we look at life and we say, Melissa is such a kind person. And I, I believe you're kinder probably now than when before you came to Jesus. But I think it's... I think it's in you. I think it's in your DNA. I think it's who God made you to be. And I tell you, there's oftentimes we get confused because we say, well, Melissa is such a kind person. Melissa doesn't deserve to go to hell. Have you ever felt that way? They're just good people. I've got a neighbor. They're just such good people. And when we look at people, we go, there's no way. Melissa, Dave could probably tell us, but he he won't today. Uh, But Dave could probably tell us some stories about Melissa. But I doubt there's any of those stories that we would say she deserves to die for those things. But you see, here's the problem. You and I don't see the whole picture. Oh, friend, I pray, I pray you and I get a fresh revelation of the grace of God. Because the truth is, Melissa, me, Dave, Lyndon, Diane, on and on can go around the room. We have all sinned. We've all sinned. And there's only one way to fix sin. Not to say, oops, I didn't mean to do that. Oops, well, well, boy, I made a bad decision. There's only one fix for sin, and it's death. Death. That's it. In fact, Hebrews 9 and 23 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You see, we look as man sees, but God sees a total different picture. Because David said in the Psalms, I was sinful even at birth. It's in our nature. Thank you, Melissa. I wanted to, I was trying to think earlier and I thought, Lord, who, who can I use for that? And when I saw Melissa, I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. Because Melissa, I'm not, I'm just telling you the truth. Melissa's one of the kindest people you'll meet in this life. If you get the, the privilege of walking through life with Melissa, you've been blessed. Here's, here's the deal. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. It is in our nature that when we sin, we try to get the fig leaves back out like uh, Adam and Eve did. And we try to cover our own. The problem is, listen, you don't want to try to cover your own. Because if you think you can fix it, the only way you can fix it, listen to me, is through death. The Bible describes it this way. We're going to die one time, and after that we're going to face judgment. In fact, if you go into the end of the book of Revelation, you go to there and it talks about hell and those who will end up in hell. And it says, this is the second time of death so you and i can continue to try to get the fig leaves out to fix our stuff or we can trust jesus you know when when we get a revelation of this truth you say why wouldn't i want to give my life to jesus The Bible says one day you and I are all going to stand. Every one, every person ever been born is going to stand before God. There will be no deal cutting. There will be no plea bargains. There will be no arguing about whether or not you are a sinner. The Bible says without Jesus Christ, we are all. No matter how nice, how wonderful, we're all sinners. The issue is this. How every one of us have to pay for the sin. I do. Sarah does. Josh does. Zach does. Dan does. We all have to pay for it. It's not like I've been a great person. I went to church and somehow it's just all going to work out in the end. Why? Because justice will be served. You see, justice, true justice demands a payment, and sin's payment price is death. So we have two roads we can take. We can pay for our own sin, or we can take the second road. It's the road of atonement. See, the first road, the Bible says, is this. It's in a place called hell. The other road is the road of atonement. And so I wonder today, when you and I stand before God, whose lifelong record would you rather stand there with, yours or Jesus? truth is, we could say that in a couple hours, you knew that you were going to stand before God. Would you be paying for your sin? Or would you allow Jesus? Have you settled the deal? And understand, I don't mean disrespect by that, but you and I are so used to settling deals. We're used to settling situations and settling circumstances. What that means is there's a step you and I have to take. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, here comes, would believe in him. Would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the deal. That's how you make the deal. You believe in him. Here's what it is. You and I are sinners. And we are consigned to an eternity in a place called hell and there is a way of escape his name is jesus and we have to be willing to say lord i'll come and stand on this side so that you go stand in my place giving your heart to jesus is not just a religious thing you didn't just get religion it's a serious thing we do because he's paid such an incredible price listen friend do not take salvation lightly don't take living as a christian lightly it's no wonder we should not out of legal no wonder we should stay away from sin once we get uh once we become born again it's because i don't want to put him through that i know what he did the first time i don't want to why would When I've been given such an incredible gift Imagine for a moment that someone in your life Saved up for year after year after year after year They wouldn't hardly spend any money They'd save it and save it and save it and save it And they did so to make your life comfortable And, And at the point of their death They said here's all the money it's all yours And then you just take it and just blow it It would kind of seem like a slap in the face wouldn't it That's nothing. That is such a frail example compared to what Jesus Christ has done for your life and my life. So we're back to the point. There's two roads. Either you pay for the sin or he pays for the sin. Which will it be? And listen to me. Listen to me. We all have to make the decision. Nobody's exempt. It's not a thing where I don't believe in God so it won't happen. Just not believing won't keep it from happening. You can say all day long, preacher, I don't agree with you. And you are welcome to do that. The problem is, if you're wrong and I'm right, eternity is way too long. So, what decision will you make? And those of you who are watching online today, I ask you today, what decision will you make? Will you make a decision to give your heart and life to Jesus? And those in this room, friend, if you've not given your heart and life to Jesus, or maybe, maybe for whatever reason you're away from him and, and you've, been living, you've been living in sin, and I'm not talking about oops, I did it. You're, you are walking in a, you've started walking in a new season of habitual sin. You, Lord, I need to, I'm so sorry for my sin. I've got to come back. I've got to come back. I've got to come back. I, I know, I'll be honest with you, I know this today is heavy and I, I'll be honest with you, I pray it will keep being heavy with you for a while. I want to keep being heavy with me because I never want to get away back to our text. We need to be reminded. Even though we know it and we're living in the way, we need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And if you're watching a line, if you want to just bow your head too, I ask people to do that just as a means really of just being in a prayerful attitude. Friend, if you've not yet given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity today Because listen, the Bible says it is a free gift of salvation. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to say, Pastor, when I get my life together, then I'll do it. That's the good news about it. You and I don't have to get our act together. He is the one that gets our act together. All you've got to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin. Come into my life and be my Savior. I invite you in. I invite you to take the penalty for my sin. This morning I want to lead us in a prayer and in this room, in this solemn moment today in this room and the solemn moment wherever you're at online today. I want to just lead us in a prayer. If you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer along with me and invite Jesus in to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you're away from him today I don't know what's happened But you know what's happened And you're away from him Today's the day to return If we confess our sin The Bible says he will forgive us There's forgiveness for all of us As your heads are bowed And I would encourage you Pray this prayer today from your heart All across this room Would you pray it with me Dear Lord Jesus I believe that you died to pay for my sin. Today I choose to turn from my sin. Today I choose to repent of all my sin. And today I choose to trust you to be my Savior. I invite you to come in and be the Lord of my life. And I choose today to live for you for the rest of my life. And Lord Jesus, help me never get over what you've done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been accused before of making it too easy for people to get in the kingdom. But I will tell you, that's not on me, that's on him. He just says this, believe. For God so loved the world, who gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I would encourage you never forget never forget what Jesus has done for you would you stand with me this morning so we go I want to read one more time the text from this morning Second Peter chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 therefore I will always remind you about these things even though you already know them And you're standing firm in the truth you've been taught it's only right that i should keep on reminding you as long as i live my prayer is that as long as the lord allows me to serve as your pastor i'll keep telling you about jesus because he is the way he is the truth he's the life father i pray your goodness and blessing over these people i pray today will relish in what you've done for us. I pray today we'll be reminded of the wonderful gift you've given. And I pray that we'll serve you all the days of our life. Pray your blessing of protection, your blessing of goodness and mercy will be upon every life today, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 God bless y'all. We love you. May the joy of the Lord always be your strength. God bless you.